Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I don't know if you have heard of someone ever speak of this concept that you and I were created with this void in our lives and that it's a God-shaped void. Uh, if you have ever played with children, you have probably encountered those shape balls. Do you know what I'm talking about? Normally they're like red, blue, and yellow, and they have holes in them in the shape of a star or a triangle or a square or an oval, and they're toys created to help children learn shapes, but inevitably as they start, they are trying to put the star shape through the circle hole, and it won't fit. And if you can understand this picture, sometimes when we as humans on this earth live our lives, we don't always focus on the fact or realize that we have a God-shaped void in our lives that only God can fill. And so we spend time trying to fill that God-shaped void with other things, which can never satisfy us because we were created for God. Amen? And so it's kind of with this in mind uh, that I wanted to say, you know, when people stop worshiping God, when they stop looking to God, they start worshiping other things. Because there's this innate thing inside of them to worship, even they may not use the word worship, it is a, this craving, this hunger inside for something that only God can fill. How many of you would agree with me today that the world worships Sex. Mm. We're quietly putting our hands up inside. What are we talking about today, James? What did you just say? <laughs> if we're honest with ourselves, if you look at what the media throws at us, how the world tries to sell stuff, how the world tries to tell us how to look, how the world tries to tell us how to act, sex is the thing. Sex sells. Amen. So you'll be glad to know I'm not talking about sex the whole time, but as our intro this morning, I want to just talk about this idea of how we view sex. Because I want to talk today, more importantly, about being single. And so I'm just trying to create a context of the slide up there. There we go. You're thinking, what? Single? Sex? How does that all work? Uh, so... The world worships sex. If, if you went back to the Victorian era, they viewed sex as gross. They didn't want to talk about it. It was what you did behind closed doors. We never talk about it. It's yucky. Okay? Uh, in many respects, they were super conservative. And in many respects, that is not how God views sex. God does not view sex as gross. Praise Jesus. Okay? But what's happened is our society has heavily swung to the other side of the perspective where sex has become God. Now, we might not say, hey, I worship sex. But if we just look under the surface at how the messages that come through and how society acts and, and how everything is viewed these days, how we can look at uh, music videos and how we can watch a film and, and if you don't have sex in it, it's not going to be a profitable There is this real liberalism that has come through and sex has taken the place of God in many people's lives. 
You probably say, that's not me today. What I'm showing you is there's been a big swing from one side to the other. Neither of them is correct. The Bible talks about sex as a gift. It's not gross. It's not God. It's a gift from the Lord. And how you view sex will really determine how you look at this idea of singleness. Okay, that's why I've started talking about sex today. I'm going to ask you a question. You don't need to put your hand up. But my question today is, if you were to answer this question, the answer would show you a lot about what you, how you view sex and the whole idea of singleness. What is sex for? What is sex for? Just... It, it, there's no right answer right now. I just want you to see your answer. The Bible says, and I'll just share a few things with you before we move on to talk about singleness. The Bible talks about sex being for procreation. The biological context by which humanity lives on. One generation after the other. I mean, we live in an age now where we're very clever. We don't have to have sex to have babies, right? But if you look right back at the design, one of the reasons for sex was procreation, just very functional. The Bible talks about another reason for sex as being for pleasure. Wow, some of you are saying, what? Are you saying that sex and pleasure go together in the church? God thinks sex is amazing and it ought to be fun. Please don't blush, okay? <laughs> sex is good. Yes, those of you who have enjoyed it, don't put your hands up. <laughs> that might not be a good thing. The third reason, or the third way that the Bible talks about sex, and this is for me the most meaningful one in a sense, is it's prophetic. The act of sex within the context of marriage is prophetic. It, it paints somewhat of the nature of our God. You know, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all three distinct personalities, but somehow they are one. The mystery of the Trinity, it just bends our brains. But sex is meant to reflect the oneness of God. When the Bible talks about us getting married, it talks about how two become one flesh. Inseparable, indistinguishable. There's an element of individuality, but we are now one. And if we can understand that, it really helps us to view sex in a more healthy way. Amen? Sex is for procreation, sex is for pleasure, sex is prophetic. But what I want you to understand is the role of sex within the context of marriage is it acts like the purest glue. It is a glue that joins two people together and reflects the Godhead. And so I want to try and illustrate how society and how society lives at the moment, and this is not to create judgment and condemnation in anybody, but I want to simply illustrate. This stuff is sticky, 
Um, and, and part of it, you know, I'm worried about it because I could have picked like masking tape and it would have been brilliant. But when we talk about sex as being the purest glue, this is a great illustration of what happens when we use sex outside of its context as a means to fill the God-shaped void in our lives. Okay? You are made to have sex with your marriage partner. It is to be shared with that one person, the complete giving of yourself. Now, I'm aware that as I speak today, many of you have made mistakes in your life, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I want you just to understand something. Amen. So when you have sex with somebody, you join yourselves to them. And when you break up with that person, it's not two people going their separate ways, it's two wounded people going their separate ways. Because when I pull this off, hairs come out of my arm, DNA is all over this, my skin is on it. Now understand, this is one person, this is one person, there's been a wounding, now we try again. Because that didn't work out, this one must be the one. And then we do it again. Oh. But each time as I pull the tape off, it sticks a little less. And then we end up with a society full of people who can't understand why they can't be faithful or why they can't be satisfied because that glue which was made to stick you on a level like no other to your marriage partner, you end up in a relationship and you just don't feel connected anymore. The tape doesn't work. Do you understand? That's the context of which I want to create for us today. I want to see it. We have to, we have to see how the Bible shines a light on sex and marriage so that we can understand singleness as well. Amen. So, <clears throat> some of us here today have watched the film The 40-Year-Old Virgin. I'm looking for a reaction now. Okay? If you have seen that film, it reflects how the society that we live in looks at singleness. In that film, you have a slightly geeky character who works in a computer shop, who, has, who is 40 years old, has never had a girlfriend, and has never had sex. I mean, in society today, that is unbelievable. And society says, why? What's wrong with you? Because in that film, his friends are trying to hook him up with a girl so that he doesn't have to be a virgin anymore and so that he can have a girlfriend. Because if you are a virgin and if you are single in today's society, you're a nobody. You're a second-class citizen, effectually. That's what the world is saying. They might not say it to your face, but the fact that you can watch a film and see that storyline worked out, people feel sorry for single people. Because you, you know, you're below par, or you haven't graduated, or it's like you've just not arrived. And that is not how the Bible speaks about singleness. Amen. You don't know. You're not sure yet because I haven't told you. <laughs> if you look at the context of the Bible, 
right? It's almost as if God was speaking into this incorrect attitude towards relationships and sex and marriage when he sends his son, Jesus, and tells us that Jesus is the perfect man. Because Jesus died a 33-year-old virgin. Never had a girlfriend, never had sex. And you also need to understand as a single person, if you are feeling inadequate, if you're feeling like half a person because you've been believing a lie, you need to understand today that Jesus knows what you are going through because he didn't grow up in an environment full of single people. He was odd. In those days, if you weren't married by the age of 12, there was something wrong with you. And as a 12-year-old to the age of 33, there would have been friends, well-meaning relatives, and family all around who must have been thinking, we need to pray harder for this Jesus because he needs a wife or whatever. And he lived life in a culture where he was stand out and not normal. So he understands what it is to be a single person. But it's as if God was saying, hey, this singleness thing, it's okay. It's okay. Look at the church. The church that we know today through the book of Acts was founded by a man called Paul. He was a single man. Some people think he had a wife from a pre previously, but it's, the Bible doesn't say for sure but if you look at the life of Paul reflected in the Bible, he served the Lord all of his days as a single man and left an, a most amazing legacy that we enjoy today. Another single man. The book of Luke, which catalogues the growth of the church, was written by a single man. So it's almost like God looks into this culture and says, there's nothing wrong with being single. Actually, there are huge benefits to being a single person. And today, I want us to look at singleness different. Whether we're a single person and we've been struggling, God, please help me. I don't want to be single for the rest of my life. I want to have someone who loves me and who accepts me and who makes me feel normal. Whether you're feeling like that or whether you're, you've got this subliminal kind of smugness coming out because you're a married person and you feel sorry for the single people around you because they don't have what you have. We need to look past that today and actually see a context which is liberating and empowering. And so we're going to read today from the first, from first Corinthians, from chapter 7. It's going to be up on the screen so you can read along with me. This, this passage is Paul speaking and he talks about married life. And, and in that context, we look at the idea of singleness. So I'm going to read verses that are uh, various verses out of that whole passage, but who, which tell us a story so follow along with me Paul starts in verse 1 of first uh, Corinthians chapter 7 he says listen it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman that seems countercultural already but since sexual immorality is occurring 
each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. So we've traveled miles right now. Paul is saying it's good for a man not to have sex with a woman. It's okay to be a virgin. Then he goes on to say, but if sexual immorality is occurring, it's better that you get married and a man has sex with his own wife. So again, here's the context. Sex is designed to happen within the context of marriage. All sex outside the context of marriage is sin. Amen. Are you with me so far? And again, please don't feel judged and condemned. We are looking at what the Word of God says to challenge the lies that our culture is telling us. Paul says, so he says, uh, with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. I say this as a concession, not as a command. He goes, listen now. I wish that all of you were as I am, a single man, celibate, running hard after the Lord. But he goes on to say, uh, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. He recognizes that marriage and singleness are okay. But if you do marry, he says, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Don't look sideways, anybody. Look straight ahead. And I want to spare you this, Paul says. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord, both in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. So then, he says, he who marries the virgin does right. Listen now. But he who does not marry her does better. What are you saying, Paul? It's better to not get married? What? I mean, that's huge because we live in a culture which says, if you're not married, you failed somehow. Amazing. I feel like two worlds are colliding here today. How about you? Two worlds are colliding. God's kingdom and economy and this world that we live in. So what I want to do today is I want to point out four uh, things, four points regarding singleness. Do you know what? Because I want to uphold singleness today. I want to uphold it. We need to see it differently. There's so much for all of us to learn today. The first thing I want to say about, uh, the first point that I want to make, and they're all beginning with S, hopefully that will help you. The first S is shameless. If you are here today and you are a single person, do not be embarrassed in any way. Do not feel shame whatsoever, no matter what culture you have come from. And cultures really have an impact on this, don't they? 
If you come from a really familial culture where you get married soon and fast and it's all about married and lots of children, you're going to hear the world speaking and you're going to hear this message potentially and you're going to be like, oh, don't feel shame. God's economy is a different economy. We should not feel sorry for Christian singles because some of them are worthy of our respect and admiration. You know, there are some Christians here today, single people, who have chosen not to be single because they want to honor God. They've chosen to be single, sorry, and they want to honor God and not marry an unbeliever. Bible says we shouldn't. Why? Very practical. Two worlds are colliding. Sometimes we think that we can relationship or date evangelize. I'm going to go out with this non-Christian and my desire is to get them saved. Sadly, history shows us those people often end up going the other way. God calls us to love a believer, right? So some people choose to be single because they want to honor the Lord. Some people are same-sex attracted and they want to honor the Lord. So they choose to live a single life struggling with the same-sex attraction and trying to correlate that with the faith that they have in God. Some people are divorced. And actually, according to the Bible, they are free to remarry, but because of a conviction that they have from the Lord, they choose to remain single. Man, hats off. Yes? Some people here today or in society, Christians, have been widowed and are free to remarry, I guess, in a sense, but they choose to remain single because they want to devote themselves to the Lord. These are not people to feel sorry for. Amen. We can learn so much from each of these people because it takes courage. So don't feel ashamed. Second thing, some of the most satisfied believers in the world are single. A single person can be completely satisfied. They don't have to have a significant other in their lives to feel satisfied. You know, sometimes the danger is that you look at a married couple as a single person and you just wish you could have what they have. It's like you are standing in a desert and just across the other side of the fence is green, green grass. But married life is not straightforward. Huh? No one means that disrespectfully. We are honest about married life. You know, the grass is not greener. You, as a single person, you may feel terribly lonely, but there's nothing worse than being married and feeling alone. There's nothing worse than being married and your spouse constantly tells you how rubbish and unworthy you are. You don't want that. Married life is hard work. One of the benefits, or some of the benefits, there are huge benefits to being a single person. You know, if God tells you, go to this place on a missions trip or, or move to this place because I want you there, you don't have to go home and have a conversation with your spouse. 
You don't have to take into account the children. Life can change direction in a very straightforward way for you. That's a massive benefit. Some people, you know, the fact that you can devote yourself to the Lord and just respond when he's, is, is a wonderful thing. This is what Paul is trying to say. I wish that all of you were like me, he says, because I can just serve God wholeheartedly wherever he tells me to go. I don't have the complications of a wife and a family. I don't need as much money to live off of. Do you know what I'm trying to say? You can see where I'm going. I'm not saying marriage is rubbish. I'm not saying kids are rubbish. I'm trying to say there are huge benefits to being a single person. If, if someone comes to you and they say to you, man, I'm really struggling, and you say to them as a single person, I'll pray for you, chances are you are much more likely to pray for them than a married person with kids who goes home and gets caught up with the busyness of life. As a, mar as a single person, when you wake up in the morning to spend time with the Lord, you never have to worry about your wonderful child coming down and wanting to talk to you about something. You don't have to try and create these kinds of boundaries and have these tensions in your life. There are huge benefits. Please see that. Okay. Single people can be hugely satisfied. My third point, it, it uses the words, or two words, soulmates. You know, the world says, oh, it is so amazing when you meet the person of your dreams, the person who just completes you, like a soulmate, the person you were destined to be together with. This is how the world talks about marriage and makes single people feel like half a person. But actually God calls us as the church and I'm speaking into our church context now. God calls us to be soul mates. Right? You know why Paul can be so excited and positive about this idea of being single? Because he's talking about it taking place in the context of a church family. It's weird when married couples only ever have dinner together or when a family only ever has dinner together, or, or when single people only ever sit and have dinner night after night by themselves. That's weird. That's not God's plan. Yes, we have those times, but when it's Christmas time or a significant time, we open up our houses. We invite people who are alone, or, or it doesn't even have to be on those events. We just regularly do it. Single people say to married couples or families, come to my house and have dinner. Rather than feeling like, well, I can't really be with those married people because they don't really have time for single people. Like, they've moved on, you know? Like, I'm stuck. The church is supposed to be an environment where we are conscious of each other and we love each other and we involve each other. That is what God wants for us. That is what we, as the church, have to show the world. I am... Um, I did a search on Google as part of my preparation for the sermon and I, and I typed into the search bar singleness because I was hoping maybe that I would get some stats or something just I don't know if I don't know what I was going to find I was hoping I might find something helpful and I found it really interesting that all the search results that came up that weren't a definition of the word single or a thesaurus trying to give you alternatives for the word single all the documents were Christian documents speaking into the area of singleness. I thought, isn't that significant? The world has got nothing to say to single people. 
Hey? But the church has written articles about how there's value in being single and how we as a church can love single people and make them feel welcome and, and part of the community, not like second-class citizens. We're called to be soulmates towards single people. We're called to look and see because we live our lives oblivious sometimes, don't we? God, I believe today, is giving us new eyes as single people and as married people. And my last point, and this is the most significant one I believe today, is the word saviour. Paul was not saying that, Paul was saying, and listen to me now, he was talking about marriage effectively, and he was saying, guys, marriage is not ultimate. Marriage is penultimate. This is really liberating. You need to get this. Because we just live in a culture which exalts marriage as one of the highest things. But actually, you know, when we go to heaven, there'll be no marriage. We'll be married to Jesus. Our eyes and our affection will be for Jesus. We'll be completely satisfied by Jesus. That's a liberating thing. Marriage is this world this life but eternity is Jesus listen to what Paul says in verse 29 from now on those who have wives should live as they do not as if they do not that's what Paul says from now on those who have wives should live as if they do not is he saying that we should be separated from each other no he's saying there's more guys look past your marriage Look past marriage as a whole, if you're a single person. Look at eternity. He goes on to say, What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. For this world, in its present form, is passing away. And then eternity begins. This brief glimpse is but a vapor, a grain of sand on the seashore of time, if you will. And then eternity and it's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. You know, in heaven, we will know Jesus so intimately without marriage that it'll still be paradise. It'll be paradise without our husbands or wives. You know, you don't have to sit thinking, oh, I'll really miss them in heaven. We spent 50 years together on earth and then it's nothing. We'll be so consumed with Jesus. We'll be so consumed with Jesus and it'll still be paradise. Can I say to you today as a single person, the trials and the difficulties that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis are real. And I don't want to diminish them whatsoever, but what I want to show you is that they drive you closer to Jesus in this life. He becomes your satisfaction. You know, the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am living water. I am the one who satisfies you. You know, one of the biggest tragedies in life is when someone gets married to another person and they expect that person to be the one who satisfies 
their very deepest needs on every level. That marriage is in trouble. That person can never satisfy you like Jesus can. And so even the best marriages on this earth can rob you of knowing Jesus more intimately. Married people, single people, be encouraged. Press into Jesus and love him wholly. You know, I started off talking about how some people said that sex is gross. Some people consider sex to be God. The Bible says that sex is a gift. It really is a gift. It's a beautiful gift from God to a married couple. But it's just a gift. You know what matters much, 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 much more? God himself. If we can fix our eyes on living intimately with Jesus, it will transform the way we live our marriages and we live as single people in this life. When it's all said and done, the only thing that will count is God himself. Amen. Be encouraged. I hope today that you've had your thinking challenged and that you're looking more at Jesus right now than you ever have because he is here reaching out to every single person here and every married person here today. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to love you. He wants you to know what it is to have the most intimate relationship with a God who created you to worship and love him. That hole in your life can't be filled with stuff. It can't be filled with alcohol. It can't be filled with drugs. It can't be filled with money. It can't be filled with friendships. It can't be filled with sex. It can only be filled with God himself. And we need to live aware of that and embrace it. Amen. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you today. You're so good, Lord God, that you would speak into the context of every one of our lives and encourage us, Lord, that it's okay whether we're single, whether we're married, not one is better than the other, but you call us to live holy for you as single people and as married people. And whatever our context is, help us, God. I pray that you will set people free from shame today. That you will break pride in people today. That as a family, Lord, you will make us a lot more aware and compassionate and caring and supportive. God, I thank you that we find ourselves truly in you and within the context of your family. Lord Jesus, come and be the most prominent feature of our lives. You are God and we worship you and you only. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.